In today's episode, I'm recommending Will White's Cradle, the story of a young man with no magic kung fu, born into a world where everyone has magic kung fu. Welcome to the Progression Fantasy Podcast, where we discuss, recommend, review, and provide the latest news in the emerging genre of progression fantasy fiction. I'm your host, R.L. Watson. Before we begin, I want to note that while I consider this episode to be spoiler-free, your definition of a spoiler may differ from mine. Consider yourself forewarned. Cradle is a cultivation novel by Will White, probably the most successful Western work of its kind so far. Before we begin talking about Cradle proper, I should note that this series technically takes place in the same universe as Will White's two other major works, the Traveler's Gate trilogy and the Elder Empire series. The relationship between these works is comparable to Brandon Sanders' Cosmere in that every series takes place in the same universe but on a different world and can be read separately. As such, I will not be discussing either of those two series here. Cradle tells the story of Wei Shi Linden of the Wei Clan, one of three major clans in the land of Sacred Valley. Linden is labeled unsold by his clan, meaning he has been deemed unsuitable for learning the sacred arts, the name of the magic system in the setting. In Cradle, literally everyone, even animals, have access to the sacred arts, making Linden a cripple by the standards of the world he inhabits. As such, Linden faces regular discrimination for his handicap. Over the course of the first book, Linden finds himself in a predicament where he must prove his worth to the clan despite his limitations and figure out a sacred art style that even someone with his deficiencies can learn to use. Furthermore, Linden discovers a looming threat to his home that he must figure out a way to avert. A magical substance known as Vital Aura permeates the world of Cradle. Vital Aura has different aspects that gather over time around the substance they are associated with. So, water aspect of Vital Aura, for example, is found around pools of water, while earth aspect of Vital Aura is found in the earth. Sacred artists can absorb vital aura and refine it in their bodies into a substance called madra. Humans and many other living beings do produce madra naturally or through exercises that involve cycling it through their bodies, but by default, this madra is pure and unaspected. Once a sacred artist has chosen a path, a martial arts style essentially, they can replenish their madra more quickly using vital aura, provided it is of the same aspect as the madra they've cultivated for their path. Typically, a sacred artist will only practice one path, associated with one or two madra aspects. This makes some paths more practical to develop than others, since certain types of vital aura are more common than others. Sacred artists use the madra in their bodies to perform techniques. There are broadly four types of techniques. Striker, Enforcer, Forger, and Ruler techniques. People are born with a specialization towards one technique type, but can learn techniques outside their specialization with time. One thing to note about these four technique types is that they are defined more so by the mechanics behind how they work than the effects they have. As such, different technique types of the same path generally have similar effects while techniques of the same type of different paths can have very different effects. Striker techniques involve projecting Madra outside of the body at range. 
An example would be a sacred artist that cultivates fire aspect in Madra, shooting out a stream of fire. Enforcers can use Madra of their aspect to enhance their bodies or an object they are holding. How Madra enhances the properties of the body or the target object depends on the Madra type being used. For example, the path of the white fox, which cultivates light and dream aspect in Madra, can be used to befuddle an opponent by disguising your movements. On the other hand, the path of the endless sword enhances the strike of a user's sword or any other sharp object they are holding using sword madra. Yes, sword madra. Forger techniques create temporary, stable objects out of madra, typically weapons of some sort, such as needles made from poison aspect in madra. Lastly, there are ruler techniques. Sacred artists use their madra as a catalyst to control vital aura of the corresponding aspect in the surrounding environment. The difference between this and a striker technique is that the sacred artist does not necessarily expel the madra directly from their body, like a projectile, but uses their madra to control the surrounding vital aura wherever it may be. An example will be manipulating air aspect in Madra to hold a person in place or dream and light aspect in Madra to make an object or person look different. Ruler techniques generally take considerably more time to pull off than other technique types. Besides the four technique types, the sacred arts also include various professions including scripting and soulsmithing. Scripting involves the use of special characters to manipulate the flow of vital aura in Madra while soulsmithing is used to create weapons, tools, and even moving constructs out of Madra. Other skills such as alchemy and fortune telling are also mentioned in the series, but are not covered in significant detail. Another notable element of the magic system are the cultivation levels of a sacred artist. These levels are foundation stage, copper, iron, jade, and gold. As a sacred artist advances, the quality of their madra generally improves and specific benefits are acquired at every stage. Everyone is born at the foundation stage. Upon reaching copper, a sacred artist gains the ability to perceive vital aura and absorb it into their body to develop a path. Upon reaching iron, the sacred artist acquires an iron body. The exact benefits of an iron body vary depending on the type of iron body the sacred artist is striving for. However, all iron bodies confer broadly superhuman increases in strength, endurance, reflexes, and speed. The next stage, Jade, has similar effects on the spirit that the iron stage has on the body. Jade-level sacred artists can sense Madra and others, just as coppers can sense vital aura. The final stage of gold is near-mythical. No one alive in Sacred Valley is a gold-stage sacred artist. However, their existence is generally accepted as fact. One particularly unique element of the Cradle series is the concept of a remnant. When a sufficiently powerful living being dies, the module within its body takes a life of its own in the form of a creature called a remnant. This has interesting implications for the setting that I won't spoil here, but as best as I can tell, this is a woolly original idea by the author and is used to surprising effect in the series. The world of Cradle is one of survival of the fittest. One's value to society is dictated by martial prowess or the ability to supplement the martial prowess of others through alchemy, soulsmithing, scripting, or other talents. Level of advancement in the sacred arts has as much or even more impact on one's standing in society 
than wealth or social class. People show deference towards individuals of a higher cultivation level than theirs, similar to what you'd expect to see towards a noble, and this custom colors every aspect of society. Originally, while reading this series, I found the idea of a setting where everyone had such powerful combat abilities to be unrealistic, but Will White does a great job making plausible extrapolations about how such a society could theoretically work. Informal rules, such as preying on someone of a weaker advancement level being shameful, at least curbs if not necessarily prevents overt exploitation by the powerful. Furthermore, there are in fact parts of the world where very little if no civilization exists. Several major forces in the world think the whole idea of civilization is ludicrous and only serves to coddle the weak. After all, one of the main selling points of civilization is comfort through establishing stable institutions where specialists can sell their products and services to one another so everyone doesn't have to learn how to do everything for themselves. What need do we have for farmers if people can go weeks without food? What good is shelter in a world where everyone can walk unimpeded in a snowstorm by the time they reach their early teens? What are roads for if people can outrun a horse lifting several hundred pounds of dead weight? Societies do function in Cradle, but the author recognizes that such conveniences wouldn't strictly be necessary or even desirable in a setting with these kinds of power levels. To emphasize the point about how society generally operates in the world of Cradle, we get to see it from the perspective of someone who literally has no power and observe how Lyndon navigates this world of literal titans. Lyndon is ironically protected by the customs of the society in which he lives in as picking on those of a lower rank than you is considered shameful. Since Lyndon is literally of the lowest rank of all, there are a few situations where attacking him outright would be socially acceptable. Lyndon nonetheless has no status. He can't practice the sacred arts or marry. Furthermore, while killing him would bring the perpetrator great shame, the actual legal punishment for killing Lyndon would be no worse than a public lashing, since Lyndon's life in his society literally has no worth. To survive, Lyndon is quick to swallow his pride often stroking the egos of those more powerful than himself and speaking with great humility, making him the one modest person in a world full of arrogant and prideful sociopaths who think nothing of stealing, enslaving, or murdering others for personal gain. To emphasize just how full of themselves people are in this world, Lyndon will oftentimes praise people sarcastically and it seems to always go over people's head. It never occurs to them that someone else would express admiration for them and not mean it sincerely. It's very difficult to talk about the other characters of Cradle without spoiling the plot, since many of the most important characters don't appear until several books in. The second most important character in the series after Lyndon does not even make an appearance until halfway through the first book. Telling you about the other characters would be like spoiling who's going to join Luffy's crew next on One Piece. So I won't go into any detail, but you do run into some eccentric and hilarious personalities. Some are a bit too much to be believable, but never too much not to be fun. Cradle currently has seven books out. Each is roughly in the range of 300 to 350 pages, and all are out in audiobook form on Audible. It is one of the best and often referenced examples of progression fantasy, so I strongly recommend that you check it out.
Today in Progression Fantasy News, John Beers, author of Mage Errant, has released the fourth book in the series titled The Lost City of Ithos. Mage Errant tells the story of an incompetent mage attending a magical academy who is apprenticed to a most unusual mentor. John Beers is a very active member of the Progression Fantasy subreddit and actually gave me some feedback alongside other members of the subreddit when I posted my first two episodes of the podcast looking for advice. His comments helped shape the changes I've made to the format of my recommendations going forward, so thanks for that, John. Congratulations are also in order for the audiobook release of Alexander Darwin's second book in the Combat Codes, Grievers' Blood. The Combat Codes is a mixed martial arts-inspired progression fantasy series taking place in a world where conflicts between nations are resolved in the ring rather than on the battlefield. That's all for today, but join me next week when I recommend Brandon Sanderson's The Stormlight Archive. If you have any questions, requests, or recommendations, please email me at progressionfantasy at gmail.com. You can also find me at the Progression Fantasy subreddit as Road Dog 22 This is your host, R.L. Watson, signing off.